Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. That video interview generated international interests. Everybody tied in. Because when the royals begin to talk about something, everybody's interested. But when Harry begins to talk about 20 years that he didn't deal with his mother's death and the challenges that he faced, and then for his brother to finally convince him to get professional help, then he reached out, and now we're all beginning to talk about something that often we don't talk about. In fact, it generated a lot of conversations where people are beginning to discuss issues of stress, pressure, anxiety, and mental health. And here's what we know. When you look at our landscape, you look at our world right now, you'll discover this. Mental health issues are on the rise. Experts tell us this. And we're ill-equipped to really deal with a lot of the challenges that we're facing. And so one of the questions we need to be walking through in our world, and particularly in our Christian faith, how do we handle pressure when our lives are under immense pressure, different kinds and different sources? What do we do with that? And it is interesting because you know the pressure is not single-sourced, right? All right, good. One answer in. We're good. Interactive church, by the way. I love that. Pressure is not a single source. It's multiple streams because we can be dealing with finances and suddenly we get a phone call and somebody's passed away or somebody has a health issue or somebody's having a child and there's joy brought into our world. And all of a sudden, this myriad of emotion and myriad mixture of pressure comes into play. And we realize that we're starting to bear down under the pressure of it all. We don't know what the source of it is. And we don't know what we're going to do to cope with that. So whether it's life, death, divorce, bullying, unemployment, or finances, the inescapable reality is that we are dealing with pressure. In fact, Dr. Harsh uh, Trevetti, he's president and CEO of the Shepherd Pratt Health System, specializing in mental health services. One of the things that he's discovered in his research is that we live now in a time where it seems that we can't even get away from the pressure. Years ago, they noted that we were able to go out with friends, we could sit down, we could talk, you know, we could have a, a, just a relaxed evening, share what we're going through, and then go home and turn it all off. But he said, now because of social media and the internet, we can't turn it off anymore. Have you noticed that? So you go home and you put your phone down and then bing, 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 and then another app and a notification. And if you're going through something specific, it just dials it up. And so we're amped up on the pressure lives. My wife will often mention to me, based on the number of chimes that are going on the counter at night, maybe it's time you put your phone on silent so that you can actually relax for the night. And the pressure builds in our world. So I I started thinking about this whole under pressure issue in our lives. And so I got a question. You guys okay if I ask you a question? You okay answering? Whoa, that was a little less. We'll work on that, all right? All right, so I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer honestly. Have you ever found yourself waking up in the middle of the night? Okay, just a minute. I got to qualify this. If you're over 50, you're getting up for a different reason. (laughs) Let's start the question again. Have you ever found yourself waking up in the middle of the night and your mind is racing with information and responsibility? Anybody? Oh, good. I thought I was the only person and I was just like going crazy. 
There are days that I go to bed and I wake up in the middle of the night. In fact, I was, how many of you like TED Talks? I enjoy some of those TED Talks. And I watched one of them. It's all about four in the morning. And I thought, that guy wrote my story. It's like four in the morning. I see the alarm clock, the little red lights on the da- over on the uh, dresser. And I go, why am I awake at four in the morning? And then your mind starts and you go, I got to do this. I got to do that. How do I answer this? What do I do? And it just builds and it's something that we have in common. And so here's what I'm noticing. We live with extreme amounts of pressure. It creates sleeplessness, anxiety, stress, and it maxes out our coping skills. Now, here's what I can tell you. I am so glad that you're in church today. <laughs> yeah. All right. My front row is with me. This is good. I'm coming this way. I'm so glad you guys are in church today. And you're going to be just as glad, and I'm going to tell you why. New research came out of Vanderbilt University. Dr. Marion Bruce just completed this research, and he discovered people who attend worship service weekly have lower stress and longer longevity, like longer life expectancy. Isn't that amazing? So everybody in the room, burn your life insurance. You don't need it anymore. Now, I love this. Actually, he went into the research. Here's what he found. People from 40 to 65 particularly have a 55% reduction in mortality rates when they attend church services every week. Wow, so going to church is not so bad for us after all. In his research, as he started to go through it, I thought it was really fascinating. I just, I was like, whoa, that's a tweetable, actionable moment right there. We should be talking about this. And so in his research, they were uh, comparing different statistics, different people that attended programs. And he said, if you attend a weekly worship service, you will find less stress and longevity will be a part of your life. So ladies, if your husband rolls over next Sunday morning and says, honey, how about we skip church and we have a nice quiet morning and then we go for brunch? Then, ladies, you have my permission to roll over and look at him and say, it's your life. You want to die early? You go right ahead. But that's incredible when you realize there is a deep connection between our worship faith expression and our ability to cope, particularly when we're dealing with stress issues in our life. So is pressure really just this recent phenomenon, or has it been something that people have always had to deal with? Well, all the way back to the beginning of time, if you actually look in the Scriptures, you'll find that because of our depraved condition and sin and our disobedience to God, that there's always been additional pressure because of that. Then there's the complication of life that we live in and the stress and the the pace at which we live. So we do recognize that this has been a part of humanity all through its existence, So the Bible has very interesting comments to apply into our world. So what I want to be able to do to you today, uh, with you today, is help you understand how to cope with some of the stress and pressure. And over the next couple of weeks, it's going to get very, very interesting. We're going to go specific into types of pressure. But today, I want to get into a section that deals with, so what are the crucial insights that help us deal with pressure? You guys good with this? All right, we really lost the crowd on that one. Get your notes out, fill in the blanks. I want you to take it away. Get into your growth groups, talk about this. And we're going to read from James chapter 1, and then I'm going to give you a few principles. Let's read James chapter 1, verse 1. So here's what he writes. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings to you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you do ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded in all that they do. James was a no-holds-barred, straight-up teacher. And he goes, listen, I get it. You're going through some difficult times in your life, and I want to tell you how to navigate through that. So he gives crucial insights. I want to share them with you. How does it apply to your life? How does it apply to my life? Number one, if you're taking notes, challenges, challenges give us an opportunity to grow. Life challenges will give us an opportunity to grow. James didn't say, if you face trials. What was the word he used? When. Whenever you face trials. So in other words, we're all going to face challenges and difficulties in our lives. By a quick show of hands, how many of you are going through a real challenge right now in your life? You've got some kind of issue that you're walking through? No, don't be shy. It's in church. We're all good here. Yeah, look at the hands all across this room. So we go through our challenges, but what we do is we keep them from each other. We don't really talk about them openly. So I walk into a setting like this, and I go, well, I'm the only person. And we find out, no, you're not. No, you're not. Most of us, if we were really, really honest, would say, I've got some pretty significant challenges, maybe work-related, maybe relationship-related, might be health-related, but we have challenges that we go through in life. And James comes along and he reminds us, it's not a matter of, you know, if you're going to have them, he goes, it's when they're going to come. So if you're in a good season right now, then you should just party because your day's coming. And if you're in a tough season right now, hold on, I've got some hope for you because that's what James wants to talk about here. So what does James tell us to do in the face of our challenges? His verse was very, very informative. He says, consider it pure... Ah, don't you hate that verse? Consider it pure joy. Who is the person in the middle of the worst moment of your life that goes, I feel joy? That's not true, is it? It is true biblically. But it's not the human emotional response to the circumstances. Now, I've observed two different responses. There are those who know we're supposed to present joy, so they artificially produce what I call a counterfeit happiness. You know who these people are, don't you? You see them coming, and they got that silly smile on their face. Happy, happy, happy all the time. You go, nobody is that happy all the time. And you just want to wipe the smile off their face. Or is that just me? I'm not fully redeemed yet, I guess, and God's still working on me. There are some people I just go, no, you're not. That's counterfeit because joy isn't about external circumstances and the, the happiness we can produce. Joy is the confidence that God has got my best in His hands. And even if I'm feeling the weight of it, and even if I wake up at four in the morning and my mind is just racing with activity, I can stop and go, I know God's in control. We just sang about my hope is in who? Yeah, not a hard question. My hope's in God, not Google. My hope's in God. My trust is in Jesus. So you got these people that do this artificial happiness. Then you have the other group. Do you know who they are? They are the people that Charles Schwartz knew and penned, illustrated when it came to Charlie Brown. They mope around all the time. You know who they are. You see them coming from a mile away. You see their demeanor like, ugh. You don't even want to make eye contact with them because you know if you ask the question, how are you, you're in for the week. 
You're not getting out of this, right? So we all go to church, and we know who they are. Not in this service, by the way. We're all good. So we go to church, and we know who they are, and they're walking through the foyer, and you go, whoa, there's somebody you don't want to talk to. It's just like this cloud is following them wherever they go. And if you ask them how they're doing, you're going to get the answer. And what amazes you is they were like that last week. They were like that the week before. They were like that the week before. They were like that the week before that one. This isn't to dismiss the reality of the challenges we have in life. Friends, when we try to manage our response and we make it a personal response to our circumstances, then it's going to be counterfeit or artificial either way. James goes, let me tell you something. We're all going to go through trials. We're going to face this. He goes, but when you go through it, you can have joy in the middle of that. And James is going to tell us how this joy comes into place. What is this and what does it really look like? If you're there in your notes, here's what he says. I want you to know that when you are going through this, look at verse 3. For you know that when your faith is being tested, when you're under pressure, when you're facing challenge, when your health is being tested, your endurance has a chance to what? Ah, that's good. So God is more committed to developing your character and your perseverance than He is to providing you with an exit strategy. God is so committed to you and to me that He wants to help us build endurance, grow our faith, because we know that when we're under pressure, God says, then now you've got this capacity to begin to build spiritual maturity in our lives. So pressure can actually be good for us. And some of you are going, I don't know if I want to believe this yet. Now, sometimes I get in trouble. I tell you way too many stories about my life. And here's another time. But this is not about Laura. This is about us. So when we were first married, we got all kinds of weird gifts. Anybody in that circle with us? And you go, this is not like the Christmas gift exchange program. This is supposed to be wedding gifts. There's supposed to be stuff you can use. So we got all these different kinds of gifts. And I remember we got this one. I think it was for our wedding. I have to ask the Lord to remind me. I'm pretty sure. But it was a pressure cooker like this. Anybody seen one of these? <laughs> this thing belongs in a lab. Because when you pull it out of the box, if you don't know what it is, it like locks together, the handles lock together, it's got a safety valve, it's got a pressure nozzle on top, and you open it up and I looked at it and I go, what kind of soup are we going to make that deserves this kind of control? And I know like we're first married and we might make a mess of some things, but to have that kind of control over it? So we decided we got to check it out, you know, what is this like? How many have used one of these? Oh, good. I'm in good company today. So we put, you know, the liquid in, and we get the spices in, and then we find the cut of meat, the roast we wanted. We get it in there. We lock the lid down, and then you put it on top of the stove so gas or heat doesn't matter, and put the little nozzle, the control nozzle, and then you fire the thing up, and you wait for it. Now, I'm a rather impatient guy at times. So when the nozzle starts rocking, right, the pressure nozzle starts to rock, you get this... Okay, where were you like 30 years ago? She said, don't touch. So it's starting to rock, and I go, hey, poof. It's, now, it wasn't at full capacity. I, like I, you know, I have a little common sense, very marginal, but it wasn't at full capacity. What happens, it quickly dissipates, and it slows down the cooking time, right? So then you put it back on, and you leave it there, and then there's this rhythmic sound, this Remember that? And a little bit of steam is puffing out of the side, and you can now start to smell the aroma. Oh, you guys are, I'm getting hungry already just talking to you about this. 
and you can smell the aroma. And by the time it's finished and the pressure dissipates and you take the lid off, you pull this roast out and it's so succulent. It just literally falls apart. Look, you're hungry, right? Let's go for lunch right now. And you realize that you can take the toughest piece of meat. You can take a, a roast from a shoulder or from a flank and throw it into this pot, and all of a sudden, it, under pressure and under heat, it becomes this beautiful meal that you can enjoy. got me thinking, I wonder if God understands something about pressure and heat and time, that He can take some of the most grisly, hardened, grumpy people who say they love Jesus And then he goes, but let me put a little pressure on you and just wait. Because he says, when I'm done with you, no longer should you be grumpy and grisly and hard, but there should be love, there should be joy, there should be peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, right? So now the question is, are you experiencing what James talks about, the developing of endurance under pressure? Don't look side to side now. Just look at me. Are you becoming the person? Is pressure conforming and changing and transforming you because God wants to perfect you? And friends, sometimes we want to get out of the pressure because we feel like we can't, con- we can't control it, we can't handle it, and God says, no, 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 wait, 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 because I am perfecting Christ in you, and this is going to make you into the person that I always knew you could be. So challenges, they enable us to grow. Go back into your notes. I want you to see this. Number two, what does James tell these people and how do we see a crucial insight here? God freely gives His wisdom to help us navigate through our life circumstances. So when pressure is there, and we know it's there, we've all agreed on this one, James comes back into play here, and he goes, so what does God do? Well, God steps in, and He gives us His wisdom. Now, we've heard this. In fact, many of us have quoted it. We've prayed it over people. When people are struggling, go, I don't know what to do. And they go, well, let's pray and ask God to give you His wisdom because He said He would. So we do that. The question is, do we believe it? Do we really believe that God will give us His wisdom? So when I was looking at this, and I was looking at what James has to say, let's go back into the notes here. Look at James chapter 1, verse 5. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives. What's the word? Whoa, generously. To who? Oh, that's interesting. See, the enemy will convince you that you are the one exclusion to that statement. That God gives wisdom to everybody else, but not to you. I recognize we've been raised in a culture. We all come from different backgrounds. But one of the things I think that's been sort of common across our culture is that we've almost become accustomed to a culture of not not fear, but apprehension, because we want to be independent in everything that we do, and when we do step out to take risks, sometimes the response we get from maybe our parents isn't quite what we expected it to be, and so we're reticent to ask for help. So those of you who have ever raised kids, you know what this is like. You get one of those play sets, you've got to put it together, and you're like, oh, man. And they want to be right in there helping you put it all together, and when you try to help, they go, no, 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 I can do it, I can do it, right? That's that independent part, and that becomes part of who we are. But when we can't do it, and I hope, you know, you had a really, really great earthly father. I did. But sometimes we have fathers and mothers. We would go to them and we'd go, I need your help. And you'd sometimes get this response, see, I told you so. And it just drives in that sense of failure that I couldn't do it. 
Or you get this other statement, oh, sure, now you want my, oh, you guys all know that one, now you want my help. Because of that, there's this hesitation then when we are in a place of need to actually step out and ask for it. Yet James says, listen, when you're in pressure, ask God. So for me, immediately I began to think through, what is my instinctive reaction to the moments of my challenge? Is my first response to pause and say, Dad, I need your help on this one. Like it seems like I know what to do, but I just need your help. Jesus did this. Jesus consistently went to his father. In fact, he said over and over, I I don't do anything unless my father's told me this is what I'm supposed to do. So it wasn't like he couldn't do anything on his own. He is Jesus after all. But he understood that when you ask for the wisdom of God, you get the right solution to the challenge that you're facing in your life in that moment. And so Jesus modeled for us something that James reminds us to do. Is there anything wrong with past experience and education and learning and opportunity? Not at all. All of those things come into play. But the instinctive response needs to first be, ask God, what are you going through? What's that relational meltdown that you're in the middle of, the financial challenge or health issue that you're facing? The first pause, we move towards how can I deal with this? And what James is saying, before you do that, why don't you ask God? Just Ask him for wisdom, and he says, and he's going to give it freely to you if you'll reach out to him. And so that wisdom is something that's available for all of us, and God wants to give it to us. There's a story in the Scripture, and we've talked about this before, but it's uh, Solomon, David's son, when he was going to become king. And when Solomon was about to become king, and David wanted to build a temple, and God said, no, not you, David. Your hands are covered in blood. You were a man of battle. Let your son build a temple. And he goes, okay. So David amassed everything they would need, and he got all the building material, got everything on the site, and then he handed over the kingship to his son Solomon, let Solomon build a temple, and when it was time, God said to Solomon, he goes, Solomon, ask me for anything you want. Now think about this. What would you ask for if God said to you, write your ticket? Anything, anything you want, what do you want? That's what Solomon was offered. And God says to him, Solomon, what do you want? Ask me for anything. And Solomon had this open check. He could have filled in anything that he wanted in there. And what do we see in Scripture? Very simple. 1 Kings 3.9, he says, Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? In one word, wisdom. He said, God, just, just give me wisdom so that I know how to turn to the left and how to turn to the right, and I know how to respond to the circumstances and situations. This was a man who could have had it all. In fact, and God even blesses him and said, now give it to you all, because I know your heart's in the right place that you can handle this. And if we had such an opportunity, how would we respond? And there's times I go, I don't know if I'd be mature enough to handle that question if God were to pose it to me. But Jesus reminds me and James reminds me that if we will look to God, that when we're going through life challenges, God will freely give us wisdom to help us navigate through these challenging situations. Psalm 32, 8, it's in your notes, it says this, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go and I will counsel you and I'll watch over you. So if you read the words carefully, God says, I will speak directly to you. And then I'll stay with you in this and I'll give you counsel when you're making decisions so that you know you're hearing my voice in your circumstances. And he goes, and I'm not even going to walk away. He goes, and I'm just going to watch over you. That is so comforting. 
And some of you need to hear that this morning because your hand went up to a challenge that is way beyond your ability to manage. And you know that. And God says, so ask me and let me whisper wisdom into your life. And just let me walk with you in the middle of that. And then let me be present in all that you're going through. And James wrote to these early believers because he knew that they faced an extreme amount of pressure. Not only was there societal pressure of Roman occupation, but they were under religious persecution as well. So he was reminding them that no matter what you're in the middle of, even when it feels like your, death is, your life is being threatened with death, he goes, trust God. He's going to be in your story with you if you'll allow him to be. So these challenges, they're not opportunities for self-improvement. They're challenges or opportunities to deepen our dependence upon and our trust in God. If you're taking notes, number three, write it down. So our success is dependent upon our focused loyalty loyalty to God. Our success then is going to be uh, dependent on our focused loyalty to God. So James was dealing with something here that was very much a first century issue. The leaders, particularly the religious leaders, they were torn between two power banks. You had the Roman occupation, and they wanted to please Caesar, who wouldn't. He has the power to take your life out. Yet they were raised up by God to be the moral and spiritual center of Israel. So they know that they're supposed to be responding in absolute loyalty to God. And they're moving, they're vacillating between these two groups, between God and between the Roman authorities. That's why James used a word in there, and he talks about this double-minded. There's an image that comes in, and it's like when you step into a canoe that's out on the water. Easy to get in a canoe that's on dry ground, right? But step into a canoe that's docked on water, and when you step in, it wants to go over to the side, and you've got to quickly balance and move the other way, and you find yourself flipping back and forth. And he's using imagery that they would go, oh, I get that that you begin to vacillate between two opinions and what James was calling for. He goes, don't do that. Your success is completely dependent on your singular focused loyalty on God. Because God will give you... Now watch carefully. God will give you His wisdom if you are pure in your loyalty to God. But he goes, but if you're double-minded, don't even ask. Wow, that's pretty straight, isn't it? He said, if you're just going to come into the story and go, God, I'd like to know what you have to say about this, and I want you to give that, oh, hey, there's another good idea over there. I'm going to chase that one too. And God goes, whoa, 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 time out. I don't play that way. God never competes for your loyalty. You know that. God never competes for loyalty. God asks for it, but he's not going to compete for it. So when you start thinking about it, they had the the voices of Rome, the competing authority, the competing voices in their lives. What are the competing authorities in our lives? There are them. I started to write them down. I started to think through what could some of them be. Maybe they're not as obvious as what we think they are, but we have to make sure that they're not undermining our loyalty to God. So for me, I started to write down a list. Could it be the voice of my spouse? No, not you, Laura. No, you're good. So I quickly put a line through that one. She's good. She's covered. But seriously, sometimes we give in to what we know maybe God wants us to do because we want to just please our spouse. And we go, well, God will understand. And God goes, no, actually, I don't. Because Jesus said, if you really want to follow me, that it might even come to the place that you're going to have to forsake your mother and father and your brothers and sisters, right? So was he saying that you had to start a hate campaign? No, not at all. He says, I'm talking about loyalty. 
I'm talking about your allegiance to me, that your allegiance should be the highest priority in your life to God. The other voices, maybe it's the voice of your children. You allow the children to run your life and determine the direction that you go, and they operate all around you, and they compete for the voice of God. What about the voice of our own desires and our own personal interests or the voice of civil leaders, the voice of professors and teachers and people of influence, the voice of culture? All of these voices can be competing authorities if they're not kept in the right priority. They're not wrong. They've just got to be prioritized accordingly. I like what Craig Groeschel said. He said, what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. Put your faith in God and watch as He starts to eliminate your fears. So James steps into the story and he goes, God is so for you, but He needs your absolute loyalty. Because if you're double-minded, then He can't give you the wisdom that He wants to because He knows you're not going to use it. But He said, but if, if... you'll trust God in the middle of your pressure and you know that He's willing to give you His wisdom and you'll give single-hearted loyalty to Him, then God's going to be there to support you. What does it say in Proverbs? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct or He will guide your path. Friends, under pressure doesn't have to cripple us under pressure can perfect us, and we can become the aroma of Christ in the midst of some of our most challenging moments. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, this morning, as we look at our lives, and I'm just very cognizant of the number of hands that went up very early when I asked a question, who's facing challenges? All of us do. And there are great sources of wisdom, great secular scholars and insights that we can turn to and doctors and all kinds of good, good resource that comes alongside of us. But we recognize that as those who are created by a loving Heavenly Father, the highest call and the highest priority has always got to be to first ask you and say, God, what do I do in this story? Be my source of comfort, my guide. Give me wisdom and insight. And help me to keep my heart singularly devoted to you. So I pray that today we all would do just that. We would choose as your followers to make you number one in our lives. And as we go through challenges, that God, we would just trust you. So we're still praying. I just, I want to do something. If you raise your hand earlier and you're going through something right now, would you quickly stand to your feet in this room? Just all over the room. Just go ahead, stand. I'm not going to ask you what it was. I just want to pray for you. Because many of you raised a hand and you said, Doug, I was, I'm in the middle of it right now. And maybe you didn't raise your hand and you go, hey, I'm, I'm in on this one. I want prayer. Go ahead and just stand to your feet. I want to pray because there's lots of us, friends. Yeah. Thank you for being courageous. It's good. Now, and then stand of solidarity. Could everybody else, would you stand as well and let's pray together and just by our presence support them? Lord, all across this room and online this morning, the other campuses, even those that will be listening at a later date, the Holy Spirit prompts us to respond and take a step of faith and to stand to our feet or raise a hand or just acknowledge that we can't do this and we need your help. So, Lord, I pray for people in health situations right now. May the power of Christ bring healing into their bodies. 
Holy Spirit, complete that work by your stripes. By your stripes, we're healed. For those that need wisdom, we claim, Father, we're going to be loyal to you. Pour your wisdom into their life. People in relationship distress, people in financial challenge, people in employment circumstances that but just they don't know what the next step's going to be. May your favor and your love be poured out upon all of them today. Because we know that as we trust you, you have our best interest at heart. So today, we choose that our eyes are going to be fixed on you, that we will trust in the Lord with all our heart. We're not going to lean on our own understanding. But in all our ways today, Father, we acknowledge you and thank you for making our path straight. And everybody said, 